Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Beach Ratty. This morning I was out at uh, Wingfoot shooting for some U.S. Open footage and then checking out the golf course as well as some in the area. Uh, went on a Tillinghast binge with uh, golf architect Jaeger uh, Kovic. We, uh, we also recorded a pod, so that'll be out later, but it was a chilly morning. It was a it was a layering morning, pure fall morning. I was wearing my Beedratty quarter zip. It was uh it was absolutely perfect. It, quickly it warmed up. Um, I was uh, you know, then shed it and was wearing a Beedratty cotton shirt. So I uh I highly recommend the quarter zip. It is a you know functional piece that you can wear so many different ways, whether it's to the office, uh, on the golf course or, uh, you know, out and about. So check it out at uh, bdratty.com. And uh, yeah, look for future Wingfoot content coming up. That's actually uh, where Billy Dratty's a member. So great spot there. I'm really excited for the uh, next year's US Open. But in this pod, Garrett Morrison and I are, uh, are back. We're continuing our conversation from the last pod about our recent trip through the Carolinas. So in this podcast, we cover Roaring Gap, Aiken, which is uh, where we had the thoroughbred. So Garrett hadn't been, and uh, we talk about that for a little while. And then we also talk about Palmetto, which is a uh, Alistair McKenzie design. You know, It's been worked on by Tom Doak and Gil Hance in recent years in in Aiken uh it's a private club but it also allows uh guest play uh public play really uh the week of the masters highly recommend checking it out it's, it's a phenomenal golf course uh if you can uh if you can swing the green fee it is a great place to experience a day at so without further ado here's uh Garrett and myself talking about our trip. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Um, all right. So after we saw Old Town Club, um, we had the opportunity before heading over to Atlanta and Aiken uh, later on for the Thoroughbred, uh, our event. We saw in the mountains of North Carolina, Roaring Gap Club, which is a 1925 Donald Ross design that was restored around the same time. In fact, a exactly overlapping with the restoration of Old Town Club. And the restoration chairman at Roaring Gap uh, was, again, Dunlop White, um, the golf chairman at Old Town Club who oversaw the process of restoring Old Town as well. 
Um, so Roaring Gap is is a really cool place. You know, it's kind of this getaway in the mountains. It's it's got an interesting history. It's linked with the Pinehurst Resort, um, and uh, and a pretty unique golf course. Uh, so, what were some of your thoughts about about Roaring Gap? I mean, it's always cool to play golf literally on a mountain. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know the. I think I, I've been thinking about it a lot. I, 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 it's just like a very fun golf course to play. I think you, you think about the the place. It's it gets like sixty seven hundred rounds a year, seven thousand. Barely anybody plays it. Um, and you think the memberships probably um, shades a little bit older. Yes, and it's like just like that's it fits what it is so well because it's just it's not gonna kill you but it's just right 6400 yards yeah yeah and, i mean and you play up and you play down and around and you play right up to the edge of the mountain and the land is gets really 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 good from i would say a whole Five. five or six the one that five is the one that goes, goes the par four that goes downhill yeah, five yeah. five which it, and then six is the volcano yeah. hole i'd say five through 12 is yeah. where is like kind of the peak um it's interesting though the nines were flipped and that's what i've been kind of fixated on in my head and i i tend to, to keep coming back to the i wish that the nine the routing would go back to the other way interesting why is that i think it just tells a better story um i understand why they flipped it they flipped it because the seven the current 17th plays right out to the cliff and the 18th is a par three that comes back to the clubhouse and you know that's your kind of fairy tale ending to your day at roaring gap but it dismisses the fact that the best land for golf it, I think the, the the round is more cohesive the other way because you start in the really good land and it gives you the taste of, of what you what Roaring Gap is. 10 and 11 is a bunkerless par 5 that's just got these tremendous um, rolling features that kind of like they cascade in from the right and then the left and, and the green sits up there. And so you, you kind of... You get a, a taste of it, and they take you away, and they bring you out, and they bring you out to that that cliff, you know, and then they bring you back into the great land to finish. And I just think it's I just I've thought about that's all I've been thinking about about Roaring Gap is is flipping the nines back, and I'm obsessed with it. No. <laughs> yeah, because you know uh, the counter argument to that would be what you mentioned earlier that the round kind of culminates out on this cliff that you that you go through the woods and then finally in those last few holes the landscape kind of opens up and then boom you reach the the climax right out on the very top of the mountain with that view over the valley and then there's a long par 3 that takes you back to the clubhouse and, and there's a there's a certain dramatic appeal to that but um i i guess what you're saying is that people may be mistaking what the actual best holes at Roaring Gap are. Yeah. Because 17 is not the best hole I at Roaring say, Gap. I would actually say 17 is the weakest hole at Roaring Gap. You think so? Why is that? I just, I, I think it's 
pretty it's just hit it here hit it there yeah uh i mean if you if you stay along the the right side along where the bunkers are you'd you have there's a semblance of strategy right yeah. there that and the and the fairway cants a little bit to the left when you're down at the bottom of that it's not an easy shot um so there's a little bit of strategic unity there but the land is pretty it's, flat, it's flat basically and the the greens yeah. very you know because of the i mean so many of the greens there are dictated by the slope of the land because you're playing on this mountain yeah. so like a lot of times you'll look at a hole and you're like oh that i'm hitting into green that's front uh back to front and and really it's front to back because of the the topography like and you know you're either playing up or down a mountain and that is that is the flattest least you know to me least interesting land on the golf course yeah and it's it's yeah. the green's not you know the green's good it's and this is like not an indictment it's it you know and you could never say that's the worst of the week you know because of the view but like in terms of just pure golf and it, and it makes me think a lot about cyprus right you know where mm-hmm. there's like layers to the routing right where you see the ocean right off the first hole right and you and then they take you away from it and um and that's roaring gap's best golf is is in that section of the land that that would be the start and the finish of the round you know and then yeah. cyprus you see the ocean and you come back to the ocean to finish right the best the the Roaring Gap, well, the mountain is what people believe to be the ocean. Their real ocean for golf is the rolling hills that are that are situated on holes five through twelve. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really well put, um, and I, I think I agree with that. That's that's what you really come for. Uh, that's what's exciting at Roaring Gap is the land that starts when you get to basically the top of the mountain. Right. Holes one, two, three, four play uphill. And at the highest point, you see that building. And I know I should know what that building is. It's a gray stone. Yeah. That's right. Okay. And it's a cool, it's a cool building, you know? Uh, and, uh, and then you get right up there basically to the lawn in front of this building. That's the fourth green. And then you walk over to the fifth tee and it's a spectacular short par four that plays downhill, dramatic contours in the fairway that, that dictate the strategy of the hole. The next hole after that is the volcano par three that I think a lot of people probably like taking pictures of um, that falls off really severely on the right side of the putting surface and um, and hole, hole uh, the uh, seven is a par five that again goes over incredible land. Um, these are, are great, great golf holes. And that basically continues until the that that land the the terrain the dramatic terrain in that section of the golf course takes you all the way through hole 12 um and then and then there are some really cool uh, golf holes after that too but um you know especially on number 11 cool. the par 5 that you're describing earlier that goes over those huge contours um is just a wonderful yeah um design 12 12 so neat too with that yeah you, you know it, i short par four kind of goes over the shoulder of the hill and you can see the green from some parts of the hole and other other parts of the hole you can't i yeah. carry around a persimmon driver and i i don't use it all the time and about four holes and uh and do um uh, roaring gap you just realize like 
it's a way more fun golf course to play with a with a persimmon driver because that's a golf course that modern equipment has really really taken a toll but like if you put if you put it back to the the persimmon like all of a sudden all the all of all of those features like the 12th hole has this huge cascading ridge that runs down the right side of the fairway and we both ended up on it you do not want to be on it it leaves it's a very short par four like 350 you have a wedge in and you're just hitting from a lie that's you know ball way above your feet you you know it's very difficult to hit from um yeah and you have to cut it from there too to get anywhere near the green yep your ball's way above your feet if you're a right hander and you've got to cut it yeah and and um you know if i was playing my regular driver i'd just hit it right over that thing you know i wouldn't have been even in in the ballpark but with the persimmon i hit it right into it i tried to hit it over and didn't get there so it's that that golf course is so fun and it's another one where when the ball's like alive we played it at the end of the season and there's a lot of moisture in the air so it was a little soft but like when that ball's running it's just got to be so much fun to play yeah uh that your your ball can travel hundreds of feet even in in one roll um, and that's part of the adventure of the course. And yeah, if you're, if you're just hitting over those landforms, it becomes less fun. Um, you know, since I, since I'm a little bit shorter, it, it, the course still works, uh, works for me with, with modern equipment, I think. But, um, in any case, for the, for the 11th hole, for instance, that par five, you know, the big feature of that hole is the, a, a, a ridge or I guess, uh, you know, this, um, uh, this diagonal slope that cuts about a hundred yards in front of the green, and then the land goes down into the goal into a gully, and then way up to the green. And the question on that hole is, where do you want your second shot to end up? Do you want to be on top of the ridge with kind of a weird lie, but you're on the same level of the green, or do you want to go ahead and hit it past that, and then have a blind shot up to the green that that would be quite difficult as well. Um, I think if you were playing modern equipment, you'd probably get your ball around the green in two shots every time. But uh, but rolling yourself back a little bit reintroduces some of the questions that the hole is supposed to ask. And it is, you know, it's a short course by modern standards. It's sixty four hundred yards. But man, if you're if you're hitting the ball um, off the tee, not much more than two hundred or two hundred twenty five yards, that course becomes really adventurous. Yeah. Um, and, and, and difficult, uh, because of, because of how it just sits on this mountain and doesn't hold back, uh, in terms of taking you over the, the biggest landforms. What, uh, what do you say? What would you say, you know, what would you like to see different there? Well, we talked about this a little bit during the round. It would be, it would be cool to see, the the turf in the fairways especially come to its full um potential and and we saw it toward the end of the season we saw it in october that course closes down at the end of october right basically three weeks essentially was it the last week so even earlier um the course is essentially shut down at this point its season is over um i'm sure if we saw it earlier in the summer we would have seen different realities in terms of the turf but yeah it was it was soggy and the the ball wasn't running like uh clearly it it normally would 
And, um, you know, I, I do think that there probably could be some stuff done so that the turf is a little bit more lively through the season. Another thing that I noticed as I was playing the course is that maybe some of the mowing lines aren't, aren't quite where they could be. Um, you know, it, uh, they're, uh, whole number seven comes to mind specifically where on the right side, uh, there's a mowing line that kind of cuts into some area where that, that you might want to play with uh, strategically uh, getting your ball out there and seeing it roll. I, I think that's the case on a few holes. Yeah. Some trees um, too. Yeah. 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 It's uh on the, on the front nine or the current front nine, especially, would you say? Yeah, I'd say that. And then, you know, on the back, like there's one between 17 and 18 the tree, there's a pine tree that a fairway that could be extended over on the left that would make the hole much better um but you know for for the most part it, it's it's really good i you know and i don't think i don't think that course it for what it is it's really good right and what do you think it is what do you think it's it's trying to be I mean, it's just like a, 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 la- a lax place to go hang out that everybody that's a member there is like a second or third club, you know? And mm-hmm. to a certain extent, like golf is just a part of, you know, being up in the mountains, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, you know, it's... I think Donald Ross delivered exactly what the intention of that course was, was it's a pleasant getaway from busier places down on flatter land. You know, it was, it was designed as an adjunct to the Pinehurst resort and, uh, and it sort of functions that way. It's, it's um, although it's on a mountain, it's not too taxing. It's just, it's just really pleasing and, and uh, a fun, fun place to play golf. Uh, but I wouldn't call it, and I don't know if this is even a good term. I wouldn't call it a, a major course, right? Uh, yeah. Not in terms of major championship, but it's not a major work in in Donald Ross's body of work. It's uh, you know Oakland Hills and Pinehurst Number Two. Those are those those are his big huge statements. Um, Roaring Gap, and I made this comparison in a discussion we had afterwards. But if you're going to compare Donald Ross's courses to Bruce Springsteen albums. Um, I don't know why you'd want to do that. It just jumped to mind, but <laughs> Pinehurst number two, uh, and, and his, uh, the current Donald Ross major championship courses are kind of his born to run or born in the USA. Those big statements, uh, big loud, you know, um, albums that, uh, that have a, a lot of instruments and, uh, and spectacular songs, Roaring Gap is more like Bruce Springsteen's album, Nebraska, which is uh, acoustic, stripped down, beautiful. And, you know, it's a beautiful, lovely album that shows a different side of of Springsteen, but it's not a major statement and it doesn't intend to be. Um, I think that you could sort of see Roaring Gap the same way. It shows a different dimension of Ross's talent as an architect. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's 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 like a, it's charming you know yes that's the way it, right. I, it, it's just a it's a very enjoyable place to go play golf right you know yeah yeah i'm glad we went there yeah so yeah um then uh then you got to go see aiken now for a quick word from our sponsor 
Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Whether on the course or in the market, it helps to have a second set of eyes to keep you on your game. That's why TD Ameritrade's Trade Desk is here to help gut check your strategies, so you always feel confident teeing up a trade. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg to learn more about what their trade desk can do for you. Member SIPC. Now back to Aiken. Oh, man. This was quite a trip, actually. Um, <laughs> it felt like it happened pretty quickly, but we covered a lot of ground. I, I um, was so tired at the end of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we did quite a bit of driving. But, um, yeah, we, we, we got over to, to Aiken and um, had our event there, played three rounds at Aiken within a day and a half. Um, and that was a, a completely uh, delightful experience. Uh, Aiken Golf Club, uh, you've written about it on the website, um, but it's just uh, a wonderful local golf course that just shows what you can do if you have an ownership that, um, uh, that commits themselves entirely to making the golf course as good as possible and where they they know what they're doing you know they um and they they just turn that golf course into um a a design that is better than it has any business being um so really fun to play there it was i think the event worked out really well um but yeah great great place and then in the same town you have palmetto golf club on the on the uh on the private side and it makes aiken one of the best small towns for golf that i've ever seen maybe the best i i actually think it is the best i don't think there's a there's a town even a city even cities that have a better private public combo i was actually i was a little nervous before aiken because i i feel like you know i i don't know i had this like self-doubt creep in where i was just like maybe like Maybe this golf course isn't as good as I think this golf course is because, like, just I feel like not that many people had been to it. You know, like there wasn't like a uh, I I don't know, like Tom Doak hasn't been there. You know, and and there's like a little doubt that and but then like you know everybody got there and played it and everybody was like blown away. It was like quite relieving. And it was like, okay, I, I, I did think, like, I wasn't losing my mind or something. And, uh, no, I totally understand. I've been that way about golf courses before where nobody else is talking about them. You think it's really great. And you're like, oh, have, have I just gone insane? Yeah, well, it, it was um, like the fact but, that all these people are going, I'm like, eh, I hope it, it's not as good as I think it is, you know? Yeah. But, it, like, it, yeah. I was reaffirmed because, you know, of the commentary afterwards. But, you know, there isn't a... T- with a public golf course, like there aren't many public golf courses that can match. Like there are plenty of private courses that match Palmetto, but I can't think of any town that's got a public that even comes in the close in the stratosphere of of uh, Aiken. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty stunning how good it is. So, what were you hearing from people after they play it? Uh, played it. What were what were some of the comments that you heard? I'm curious. I, you know, people just, it was just, you know, how wildly unique it is, how incredible, like, inc- I mean, the greens are just incredible. Yeah. Yes. Every green's different. And, and there are green concepts out there, just ideas for 
what you could do with the total entity of the green that I just haven't seen before. Yeah. And I just literally haven't seen someone design a green like that before. That's that's what's out there at this golf course. Well, it's because the guy had never designed a green before he designed exactly. those greens. Usually that, that yeah. situation doesn't work out. Like that's it's just it's such a cool place. The um the other thing is the the way it's connected to the town makes it a little bit more special too, where you can it's a two minute walk from downtown Aiken, which is a nice town. It's a it's a very nice town. Um you know, I haven't been there a couple times now. Like I, I Aiken's a really nice town and you you just can walk from downtown and then there's this golf course that's weaved in through the neighborhood. You cross roads and you go out and back and it's just, and, and the best is like, it takes so little time to play the golf course. It's just not, it's like the complete opposite of every American golf course, uh, every American public golf course in a way, not everyone, but like, it's so different, wildly different. And it's a great model of how to, how to weave a golf course, as you say, into a residential community, right? Because often that doesn't work out very well. Often houses and golf courses don't go very well together. But even though the corridors out there are fairly isolated from each other and and there aren't these kind of open expanses where a bunch of golf holes are all together on the land, you're, you're kind of going through the neighborhood out and back. In fact, the, the ninth hole doesn't go back to the golf uh, to the clubhouse, right? It, it, the course wanders out and and then eventually comes back, um, and it's and it's through neighborhoods the whole time. But it doesn't feel like you're being encroached upon. The houses don't feel like they're on top of the course, and maybe that's just because the corridors are wide enough, and maybe it's because they're set back from the golf course well enough and, and concealed well enough. But the golf course is is part of that residential community. With, and it doesn't feel like well, I think, one I think compromises the, the other. I think the big difference is that the golf course was there and then the homes came. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's I think that's how it always works better. Yeah. Because you get to use the good land for golf yeah. first. And then you can fill, fill in the residential component later. And then like the early housing development courses were kind of the same way. Like Pasa Tiempo. um, uh, Sedgefield was an early residential course where the golf course was was selected and then the houses were built next to it right yeah and it's like that yeah. that's the 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 appropriate way to do residential golf and it's not a prefabricated community right exactly. it's a, it's an organically built community where you know there wasn't like a master plan or anything like that it it just grew up there and so it, it feels all it, uh, completely natural that this golf course and and this neighborhood that it's in coexist and uh and and supplement each other um it's it's really nice and they have that putting course just outside the clubhouse the clubhouse How itself cool is somebody. cool there's a great there's a great oh well, putting course is awesome i mean it's all grass putting course with a bunker in it and 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 like cool putting holes like, like well-designed putting holes it's just so simple it doesn't take up that much room it, i was looking at this and thinking why in the heck do, uh, do we not see this other places but you just don't um 
And, m- and maybe there's just the extra care that has to be put into designing and taking care well, of it. But that's bullshit, but, though. The, the extra care. The, Jim McNair maintains that golf course with a crew of four guys. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Like, yeah, that's, he, there's very little. We were, it's very efficient. We were planning to start the event at 8, and he's like, hey, can we push it to 8.30? I mean, we it's a big task doing a shotgun at, at 8 here with a crew of four. I was like, oh, absolutely. You know, that's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just works in every way um, from from the golf course to the quote unquote amenities around it. It's just all in its proper place and, and what it should be. Um, and, uh, and and then there's yeah, just they, some they amazing really right. goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can get the short the back to back short par fours on the on the back nine. Um, I think I are, mean, the, are stunning. The first hole's awesome. It's a great hole. Yeah. The third. Yeah. Could you here describe the first hole? So let's uh, let's talk about that because I still don't really know how to play it, and that's I part think of I've, the magic. Of I it. think I figured it out finally. I've, okay. I've now played the course like six times. I think. Um, I always used to. I hit, used to hit driver. So that there's a. It's like three hundred and forty yards, and uh, it, the green is up on a ridge. It's a double green. It shares the seventeenth green and 18 plays back down the other way is a par three just to give you an idea of like you know length and it's it's so you you've got this kind of ridge line that cuts through the center of the fairway i mean if you wanted to hit it onto the ridge you have to hit it like a hundred and 170 yards 180 yeah. yards and that leaves you like a 150 yard shot to an elevated green on the first hole and that and that kicks away yeah. on all sides right and especially when you're looking at it it's super intimidating because yeah. all you see is this crown right it's just, um, yeah, that, it's got that like appears a, to reject balls on all sides it's got like a big knob it, you know mcnair yeah. used a lot of like maxwell muffins out there he did, yeah. I know some of the greens were very Maxwellish. Yeah, I, I was wondering if that was just recency bias, and because I had been primed to look for that stuff. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about: is those little quirky contours in in the greens that just make them so distinctive. Because most people don't build with that kind of detail; they do a big tier or or something large instead of just one small thing. You know, right? I I like kind of d- comparing them to like landmines, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. it, it, these little knobs are just so effective because they anything around them just become you become really worried. You know, if you're putting over them, if you're trying to hit an approach shot, like you all of a sudden have to do things you don't want to do because there's a landmine right there, right? You know, and if if mm-hmm. you were like if you were if you knew there was a landmine in your town, like you'd you'd have to make concessions and do things differently than the way you'd want to do them, right? It's kind of like what yeah. Mackenzie says about, like, you know, the bunker should be right where you want to hit it. Like, right where everybody wants to hit Like, and that's the beauty of just putting a knob right in the center of a green, because that's where every good player wants to hit the ball, you know? Like, yeah. none of them are really aiming at pins. Like, you kind of just, like, you know, I'm going to aim over here, you know? It's like... it, But... Oh, but then the one, so you got that knob in the yes. center of the green. Sorry, got off t- topic there. I started thinking. <laughs> That's what happens. And there's this re- you got the knob in the center of the green, and then, yeah, yeah in the big hollow before yeah, the green, big- that, and the green sits on the ridge. So you kind of have to decide, like, in the, you have to decide whether you want to play up on the ridge, and then there's, like, almost a secondary ridge 
um, mm-hmm. before you get down to the depth of the hollow. If you hit driver, you're going to be in the depth of the hollow. Yes. And you're going to have like this weird 45-yard wedge shot like up up a hill to a green. You can't see with a huge knob in it. Like it's just yeah, like, just just to give an idea, that's where I was every time I played the hole. Yeah. Every single time I was down and 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 every time I was like why am I down here? Why did I play the hole this way? And I don't think I successfully executed that wedge shot once. I just um, I started yeah. hitting 3 iron. Mm-hmm. And it's just it gets me to like a spot where it's a hundred yard shot. Do you go out right? Because out right on that hole well, just, is the eighteenth cor- hole corridor. It kicks it down a little bit because well, the, the cor- land slopes right right to low left. You got to hit it right because like you can't hit yeah. it left. There's there's like out of bounds or a hazard running down the left side also. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, Sean Martin's thicket. Yeah, you've got like eighty yards of space to hit it into. Yeah, so, exactly. But it's it's just a cool first hole. I mean, there's so many great holes out there. Yeah, you, you could go through hole by hole and talk about their unique characteristics. Um, the bunkering out there is is really cool. There's this there's these uh, striking contrasts. And again, maybe this is a factor of just not having been trained to do things in a conforming or common way. But the the bunkering is so odd and cool where you have these little these clusters of little pot bunkers, right, of, of little circular bunkers contrasted with these big wild kind of fescue. I don't know if it's actually fescue, but you know what I mean? Like long grass fringed bunkers that, that you know, function as kind of waste areas. In fact, they, they play everything as waste areas out there. But uh, there's these there's these big little contrasts. And, uh, you know, formally shaped bunkers versus naturally or wildly shaped bunkers all over the course. Um, and it just makes it really striking. Um, and I've just never really seen people, never seen a course execute bunker shaping in, in quite that way. Um, it was, it was very distinctive. You know, the other thing about it is it's, it's golf done really well on a smaller scale. Like the land has some good scale, like good size scale movement to it, but the features aren't huge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, it's 5,800 yards. And I think it it's like a perfect example. It's just the amount of time, it takes so little time to play. I mean, I played, we played a six sum in the event and sub four hours. Six sum. And, Everybody weren't you an alternate shot ten some later? Yeah, alternate shot ten some in like three fifteen. Yeah, right. You know, and and the, you know, I think some people might raise their pace of play with me, but you know that might be one factor. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but uh, But nobody wants to be the slow guy in in Andy's group, right? At this point, (laughs) but uh, the uh, it's just it just shows that like golf doesn't have to be massive like it doesn't have to be a mammoth dunes with its 90 for everybody to be able to get around and play it in a quick timely manner you know it doesn't have to be a hundred yard wide fairways it it's much more and i think this is where with tom doak what he's doing with the course the third course at sand valley's trying to go this direction but this is an example of it in america right Mm -hmm. like it the golf course is a par 70 just because of pure necessity of of marketing 
like the reality is just like par 67 yeah right because the par fives are like 450 yards oh yeah you know a couple of them play pretty long but um but yeah there there aren't uh holes that really stretch the boundaries of uh on, on the high side of of their par mm-hmm. so, so you know like this is this is what he's and it's a very sharp contrast from old town in yeah. that sense right mm-hmm. yeah well it, it's it's almost by necessity that the course laterally is on a smaller scale right the fairways are narrower the corridors are narrower just because it's you know that that's the footprint of the golf course right? that's what they cleared out in terms of the trees and now there there are houses on uh on the sides of a lot of the holes and and so the footprint is is pretty small um and so you know aside from the first hole that we were describing you know it's funny enough we we chose the one hole with like a really ultra wide fairway but aside from the first hole the the holes are able to do a lot of interesting things other than giving you that classic array of width based options right it's it's not a course that really emphasizes lateral strategy that much instead there's these kind of interesting diagonal lines going on there are lots of cool things that the hole do holes do aside from the classic illustration of a of a big wide fairway that you can choose your line down right it's yeah a lot of it's because of the topography and where mm-hmm. you're picking whether you want to be high or low Right. Do I want to be up on top of this ridge or do I want to get it down, push it down? And there's the risk like when when you're pushing with driver is like you know, it's not that wide. So you have to really hit a good drive. Right. Like it's it's you don't feel like you can just wail away at it all the time there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very few holes are, are a green light just to, just to smash it. And he does it with trees sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Like the the six hole would be a good example of that, where the green, half the green sits behind a tree. And, you know, he's, he's, you have to play right there, you know, but you there's a bunker mm-hmm. there and there's a, a boundary, there's a road, you know, in, in order to get your angle into that left pin. And it, it, there's just, there's a lot of neat stuff. Was, yeah, it's it's a golf course that people can learn from for sure because it it violates a lot of the um, established norms about uh, what makes uh, good architecture, and um, it just shows you the many different ways that that simple ideas, manageable ideas at a public golf course, um, can really create a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's just different than what if somebody hired, you know, outside like. Nobody would be asking for that golf course right now, and everybody almost should be. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Every every town needs one. Now, it, yeah, I don't know if it works necessarily in every town, but it's it's certainly working there. Um, and yeah, that, that's the overwhelming feeling you come away with. And this is what I heard from a bunch of other people at the event is that uh, why aren't there more courses that do this? It seems so simple. It seems so manageable. Um, and yet... Aiken stands as is almost completely unique, at least in my experience of seeing golf courses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Palmetto. So 
Palmetto. <laughs> well, I'll just touch on it on it briefly because uh, uh, you didn't play that round. I played that morning. I played it in the you, you've played it yeah. before, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Palmetto is is fantastic. What more can be said? Um, it's uh, it's also in Aiken. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from. Aiken Golf Club, um, and it's uh, obviously a private course, but a very, very relaxed atmosphere. Um, it's one of those places that has a local membership supplemented by a national membership, and there's a really cool, casual golf-focused vibe at the club. Um, you know, the the head pro was incredibly friendly and and talked to our group for a long time before and after the round. Um, just a, a really welcoming atmosphere unpretentious and um then what you've got in the golf course is just one of the best sets of greens i think i've ever seen yeah um i mean it's just it's hard to describe how good those greens are how good the surrounds are um how different they are from each other you know greens i find to be very hard to to describe in words and and very hard to photograph you just kind of have to walk them and see them but the best thing that can be said about those greens at Palmetto is that when there are no bunkers around them, I was going to say even when there are, but maybe even especially when there aren't any bunkers around the green, it's completely fascinating and so challenging. Um, the, the contours are, are just uh, um, really kind of expertly shaped and placed and so it's a tremendous amount of fun to play around those greens. Um, and each green ends up speaking to you right back to the tee where, uh, the difficulties that you'll encounter once you get around the green, uh, will factor in when you're hitting your tee shot on additional rounds there. Every green does that. Uh, every green is different from the last and, uh, they, and, and they, uh, Palmetto does not, that design does not use bunkers to create the primary interest in, in a hole or in a green site. It's just contour and short grass. Um, and, and they're so, so cool. Yeah. The, um, you know, you, the way you hit on when, with the greens talking back, like if you turn around and look, it's, it's Eric Lang did a video there with, uh, Dottie Pepper and David Normoyle. Yeah, I saw this. And David Normoyle, I, is like one of the most brilliant people in golf. And it was funny because he was walking the golf course backwards. And ever since I saw him, and, you know, I had played it. And when I, when, I, uh, when I saw what he was doing, I thought to myself, man, I really wish I could do that because it, it's such a neat golf course. And the greens are totally it. Like, I mean, I'll never forget like playing the second hole and getting to that green. And I was like, holy cow. Like I like that's when I was like, my God, I am in for something today. Uh, that's a very challenging green. Yeah. That one, that one kicks away on all sides, just about. Yeah, and it runs away like you can't even see it because mm -hmm. it's elevated up and it runs. It, I mean, it. That place is. It, I think the. I think the the big thing there is the atm uh, the atmosphere adds so much to it because it's this very very nice place with with lots of history. And I think this might be something with just the town uh, of Aiken, what makes it, it's such an inviting place. And, you know, you go to so many clubs and they're so the opposite way of this. And Aiken's the same way as it. And maybe that's what makes the town and why it's got the best golf of maybe any town in, in America, you know, in terms of public and private. 
is that it's just it, it, they're they're inviting places like they're places that you want to spend time at you know and you're comfortable spending time at and and the lack of pretension yeah i think allows everybody to focus on the golf um there's there's not this um there's not this desire at these places to um to show off or to uh, you know, present themselves as something other than a really great golf course. And so you, you don't see the huge clubhouse. Now, there, there's nothing wrong with a, a huge clubhouse, but uh, that's that's not the choice that Palmetto Golf Club has made. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, um, it's a simple down-to-earth place uh, where the focus is just entirely on great golf. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's just... Um, it, the course doesn't doesn't really show off either right it, it's not it's not hitting you over the head with its greatness um it's just got a lot of subtle features especially in the ground tour a uh, ground contour i like that the, ground uh, tour the, ground tour <laughs> i know i've coined a new term yeah um you can start using that's, that that's the gonna ground tour that, that, could become that a buzzword that, that should be the replacement for the fried egg actually yeah. that, that should be the new name of the company yeah um, but, uh, uh, it's, yeah, from the, from the ground tour comes all, comes all the interest and, um, and it's not what people notice first. It's not what shows up well in photos or, um, you know, things that, that scream, they're not features that scream at the top of their lungs that they're great. Um, but once you start playing on them, once you see what the ball does on them, um, you, you can see the, the fun that you can have at the place. And, and that's, that's Palmetto. It's, uh, uh, just one great green after another, uh, one great set of contours after another. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I mean, the, uh, you can definitely see, I, I don't know if that range was always there. I, I have a, I have a suspicion that it wasn't maybe maybe the holes yeah played a little differently yeah I, I suspect the same thing yeah because like, the 16th hole the par three is the only one that's uh, you know a, a little bit odd yeah yeah and uh but but 15 that par four is amazing really cool a, a bunkerless green yeah very short par four strange looking fairway from the tee that just kind of is is you know you, you you hit your tee shot right into the crest of this hill and then it's a wedge into this green and um if you're if you're too close to it <laughs> and you're trying to hit a, a lob wedge pitch off of uh off of short grass to you know uh, I, well basically you're just going to end up 40 feet past the pin if you don't get it exactly right um great golf hole um yeah, and seventeen and eighteen are, are cool too. They're they're kind of wedged into this fairly small piece of land, but um, you know, eighteen has kind of a similar effect where it's a short par four. You have a uh, you have a short second shot, um, but there's a lot of challenge in the way that the green well, behaves. You don't want to hit a driver and miss. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. There are these. What did you think of those mounds? Like those big mounds. Uh, around the greens yeah, a lot, around so many of them yeah it was very uk-ish yes yeah well yeah it was uh they were so it's one of those courses where you don't have a lot of uh apparent earth moving in the fairways at all would you would you say the same oh yeah that the, the fairways are super 
naturalistic in the way that they sit on the land. Now, I, I don't know what was actually moved or what wasn't, but I suspect that basically nothing was. Then around the greens, you have some pretty obviously ma- man-made features. Um, you do. You, you have you have mounds around the green, um, but uh, you know somehow or another they they never appear to be uninteresting or or banal because they're not uniform, right? It's not like there are these little dollops that sit, sit at even. Um, spacing around the green, there are uneven shapes that look man-made, but that are are really irregular and unpredictable and, um, you know, create a lot of that fun that I'm talking about when you get around the greens. Because, you know, depending on on where you are, you could have uh, completely different shots, you know. Uh, if, if your ball's like, you have two balls that are six feet away from each other. Uh, it could be a completely different shot because of the the intensive micro contouring around the greens. So Palmetto's open Augusta week to everybody. Yeah, it's it's like four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you? You were pay, there. Would you, were, were you there? I, would you pay four hundred bucks to play Palmetto? That's a hard question to ask. I think four hundred dollars means something different to me than it means to. You know, yeah. everybody. Um, would I pay four hundred dollars to play Palmetto? Say, say, um, say four hundred dollars. You would you, you'd pay four hundred dollars to go play Kiowa Island or Whistling Straits mm-hmm. or you know. That's what I was thinking. If I'm going to pay that much money to play Spyglass Hill, for yeah. instance. So this I is think the that's, way I th- that's exactly what Spyglass Hill is. And this is the way you have to I think you have to contextualize the four hundred dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. Compare it's, it to uh, other four hundred dollar courses. Does it stack up? Uh, absolutely. Against the courses that we just mentioned, I mean for sure. I'd uh you know <laughs> um I think it's a, a really wonderful golf experience. Um you know, I I, I like Spyglass Hill a lot. I lived next to Spyglass Hill for for five years, um, and that's a that's a spectacular golf course. and And I think that it's um, you know uh, maybe doesn't doesn't uh, uh, do everything that I want a golf course to do necessarily, but I I can see why people would see see it as worth it and would walk away from that golf course being really impressed. But yeah, if you're going to pay $400 to play that course, you'll get a completely different kind of experience at Palmetto, but one that I think is, is just as valuable and, uh, and, uh, and memorable. Um, so yeah, I mean, what it's, it's hard to say what, what, uh, uh, the value of a dollar is to everybody. Um, but yeah, if they're going to open up their course and give people an opportunity to, play it once and see it uh for that amount of money i I think it's certainly worth it yeah i agree i I, that's kind of the way i've equated it and especially with what other courses charge augusta week it's like you know people are paying it's got to be a pretty decent deal yeah (laughs) compared to what some places they're paying more at sage valley i think and and i think augusta country clubs in that 400 dollar range and I mean, Aiken charges a hundred bucks. That's the best deal by far uh, around during yeah. Augusta week. So, yeah, it's kind of like when there's a U.S. Open at uh, Pebble Beach, and they do this even a little bit during Pro Am week. But Pacific Grove doubles their green fee for out of towners. Pacific Grove advantage. is charging it's running like, good business. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I think it's a smart move. Um, But yeah, Pacific Grove starts charging $120, $130 because they know that a lot of people who are coming to town have some money. They have some disposable income. They're they're out to uh, spend a little bit of money and have themselves a fun vacation. Uh, And that's certainly Master's Week, you know. Uh, when when that population of uh, people descends on Georgia and uh, and is out there to see the Masters, I think that uh, four hundred dollars probably fits very well into plans that people have financially for that particular weekend. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, what a, what a great trip. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a really, really good one. That was a good one. It was a good one. It's, uh, in the, in all the ones we missed still, you know, that's the, the trouble. There are a ton more. North Carolina, um, is, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina are unbelievable golf uh, states. Uh, amazing golf states. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we have any, we talked about the law of the classic courses just, Think of the array of modern courses that are in those states as well. Yeah. The, the different experiences that you could have public and private. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a mecca. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk soon. We'll, we'll excited. You're going up to Band of Dunes. I'm excited to hear about the Sheep Ranch. Yeah. Yeah. That should be an interesting trip. Um, I don't know what the, the weather is going to kind of be a crapshoot. Um, and we'll see if the, the drone wants to behave. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get there, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to see Banda. I'm going to be there for a couple of days. Um, uh, only playing a couple of rounds of golf, but definitely going to see sheep ranch. And, uh, a lot of the other things I'm going to be doing is just kind of walking around the resort. Because when I, when I visited Bandon last year with my dad, we played 36 holes basically every day. And it was a really great experience, unforgettable. I'd highly recommend that everybody do it. But I found when I was playing those courses that all I really wanted to do was just go out and take a hike around them. Just just go and look at them, kind of wander freely uh, around the paths along the golf courses and, and just look at them. Because when you play them, it seems like it goes by so quickly. So that's a good amount of what I'm going to be doing. I'm, I'm just going to be uh, walking around the the property like I'm on a vision quest or something uh, should be so it should be pretty fun and and we'll probably get some decent photos and stories out of it uh, we'll see what happens awesome awesome well we'll talk to you soon 